like that. Um, so it's a genetic disorder. You've got to have particular genes, and we know it's genetic because it runs in families. Now, if you've got celiac disease and your kids don't have celiac disease, that doesn't mean that they're not going to get it, that your grandchildren aren't going to have it, and they're probably more likely, because we'll talk a little bit about how the rate of diagnosis of celiac disease is going up. But we know it's a genetic disease, and you've got to have particular HLA genes. And we're using those now to diagnose people and to exclude the disease particularly. So, but this HLA only accounts for about 50% of the genetic influence. And there are other genes that we don't know what they are, and people are trying to find out what they are, and that's probably going to be very important. Um, so it's a genetic disease, um, and you need to have gluten. Now, gluten is the term for the protein of wheat, and uh, so it's a necessity for celiac disease. So you've got to have a genetic effect, and you've got to have gluten. But that's not enough, because... 40% of the population has this, uh, these genes, and everyone's eating gluten. And there are other factors such as breastfeeding, a mountain time of gluten introduction, GI infections, smoking is protective. So there are a whole bunch of other conditions that have to play in an individual before they get, catch celiac disease. I'm worried that I'm going to catch it because I know so many people <laughs> with it. Um, now, what are the genetic factors? Well, as I mentioned, uh, about 10% of first-degree relatives have it. But then you get families with much more. I've got families with both parents and all the children. Um, you know, uh, uh, this family out in Long Island, uh, the index case came along because the lady had uh, cirrhosis, biliary cirrhosis, and I suggested should screen the... the uh, the family, so the husband brought in one child and she was positive, then brought in two other children and they were positive and yeah, he was a dentist and he had capped his kids' teeth because they had all these dental enamel defects that I'll point out are related to celiac disease and their four children had celiac disease. So I have about five families with both parents and all the children. Now, if two siblings have it, then about 20% of first and second degree relatives are going to have it. So there is this prominent genetic influence that the, and the main factor is this DQ2 or DQ8. So you need to have these and I'll point out why. But we don't know these other genes. Now, what, what's, tell me if the slides aren't clear because we can lower the lights a little bit more. Is that okay? Good. It's clear, good. Um, not clear. Can we lower the lights a little bit, please? Um, so it's interesting to know uh, just what the prevalence of these genes are around the world. As I'll point out, the highest rate of celiac disease is in this refugee population in northern Africa. Um, and 23% of them have DQ2. You can look in the Middle East, there's a lot of it. About 13% of populations in the US have DQ2. Like if you live in the highland of Papua New Guinea, you'll never have celiac disease, right? So yeah, this genetic influence is very important.
Now, what about gluten? Now, gluten is the term for the storage protein of wheat. Like, you know, in a wheat grain, the bulk of it is carbohydrate. And there's just a little bit of protein that's used by the grain during growing uh, so that it can grow. But it's the protein that's toxic to individuals. And you can see in this genetic tree of all the grasses, the point is not that I might... uh, that um, wheat, rye, and barley are closely genetically related, right? But oats kind of more resembles rice. And people with celiac disease can tolerate oats, rice, corn, sorghum, millet. There's something called buckwheat, and that just got a bad name. It should have been called buck millet because (laughs) it's way down here. Um, So people with celiac disease have got to avoid wheat, rye and barley because they have these proteins that are closely related genetically. And you can see this is a map of the wheat consumption in the world. Um, You know, the highest rate of wheat consumption is around around here and in Argentina, um, Canada and North America. I might try and do this. Try and work this out. Okay. So there's an enormous amount of wheat consumption around the world, and there's a great amount around the Middle East, in North Africa. Um, I always thought it was highest in Australia, but it's not actually. It's similar to Canada. But in Argentina, where there's a lot of celiac disease, there's a much greater wheat consumption. So now there's wheat consumption all around the world, and even though uh, certain religions say you've got to eat wheat, um, you know, we weren't supposed to. And now what are some of the other factors? Um, So we know it's genetic, and we know you've got to have gluten. But if you look here, this is this Swedish epidemic of celiac disease. So um, it was noted that in the early 80s, there was this big jump up in the rate of celiac diseases in infants in uh, Sweden. So this is infants which are kids less than two, uh, two to five and five to 15. And it was running along here the same rate as across the fence in uh, the other Scandinavian countries. And then they worked out what was going on and then introduced national guidelines and got rid of this Swedish epidemic. And what they worked out was that this was occurring in children who were not being breastfed and they had decided to thicken up the infant formula by adding wheat flour here. So these kids who got it were not being breastfed and they got gluten at an early age. And the other factor that they noted was that if the children had more than three GI infections... And in those Scandinavian countries, there's a lot of infections because everyone's inside for a large part of the year. So if the children had more than three GI infections and they were getting this large amount of flour, they had a more than twofold risk of getting celiac disease. So you can understand how you can get celiac disease, at least in infancy. They're not being breastfed, they're getting a lot of gluten, and they get a GI infection. Now, there was a recent paper out of Colorado, and they correlated...
associated getting celiac disease with rotavirus infection. You know, one of the causes of gastroenteritis in childhood. So maybe with this introduction of vaccines for rotavirus, that might help reduce the amount of celiac disease. I've got to think, left hand move, <laughs> right hand point, <laughs> left hand. So we use this information uh, to tell parents what to do because if celiac disease is in the family, the parents want to know how to minimise the risk of the child getting celiac disease. So if you have it and you, you, your children are having your grandchildren, you, this is what you should suggest they do. Um, now, what the Swedish people noted was that the, there was most protection, least likelihood of the children at risk getting it if they were given a little bit of gluten while being breastfed. Okay, so most children are breastfed till about six months. And so what they noted was that if you gave a bit of gluten between four to six months while still being breastfed, so it's probably the overlap. There was an increased rate of celiac disease if kids got gluten prior to four months and also if it was withheld and it was given later after six months. So there's this narrow window which is probably between four to six months or at least while being breastfed. So I, was tell I knew about this because I spoke to the lady in Sweden and that, but I didn't know what a small amount of gluten was. And so I'd say, give your kid a small amount of gluten. And people would say, what's that? I'd say, well, it's just a small amount. But a patient of mine called Dr. Invasen in Sweden and she said they advised giving the kids crumbs. Uh, just in that time period.